Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and um, my sermon's called Rapture Ready. Now, even though I'm preaching Rapture Ready, I don't want you to think that I'm going to preach a sermon on how close the rapture is so you'll all repent and get right with God. I'm not doing that. I am going to talk for a minute about the fact that it is going to happen. Amen. One more time. Anybody believe that rapture will take place? You know, sometimes when I'm sitting back and I think of the day, we will all stand before him. Now, just think about everybody in this room. We're all going in together. I mean, there's a day we're all going to go, we made it. Now, the good news is some of us have people over there. We got family over there. We got parents over there. And isn't it nice to know that there is coming a day we're going to be joined again forever, forever, and forever. Amen. But you know, for right now, my question is, how many people in the body of Christ are actually ready for Jesus to return? Now, let me, I'm, I'm going to say something. Well, let me just read my scripture. Y'all okay with that? I'm going to do it anyway. Paul said, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also those who love his appearing. Now, the, the funny thing about it is when Paul writes this, he's going to be beheaded. And yet he makes no mention of his death. He's just like, oh, hallelujah, I'm fixing to see Jesus. And I think that we need to kind of get a perspective here. There's coming a day when we will actually meet Jesus. And he makes a statement. He said, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, let me read to you what that is. The crown of righteousness um, is, is the Greek word stephanos. It is a crown given to an athlete. It's referred to as a victor's crown. Now, the ones of you in here that work out or you do athletics or you're in some kind of a football or something, you know, whenever you're, whenever you're in a game or you play professional football or college ball, there's a price you're going to pay because you're looking forward to a day. You're looking to win that game, to get that ring, to get that pendant, to look back on your life and go, we did it. So even though there is a period of time we will be here, I think that we need to regulate our lives in such a way that we're actually looking forward to this. And there is laid up for all of us a crown of obedience. Now, I told you last week, that doesn't mean you're not saved. You know, if you get there and you didn't do so hot, and everybody believes they're not doing so hot. You can't, when you get there, he'll tell you how well you did. But most of y'all are doing pretty good. You're making it to church. You're still living for God. You're still tithing. You're still coming to church. That's pretty good. Amen? All right. So, so this, Paul said there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. In other words, I ran my race and I finished my course. Let me finish this. Let me read a few more. And the Bible says there's five crowns given there's a crown of incorruption. Those are for people who practice self-governance and refuse to allow the flesh to rule them. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says there's a crown of rejoicing. That is a soul winner's crown for people who spend their life winning people to the Lord. Now, maybe, maybe we don't all get one of those. Maybe we're not 
traveling around the world getting people saved, but you know, if the people that are in your life, you're, you're leading your in-laws and your outlaws to Jesus, that's good. Amen? I don't think that we will lose one reward for all that, that we do. Then there is the one I just said, a crown of righteousness, that's, that's living holy. Uh, that's the crown given to athletes. Then there's a crown of glory, actually referred to as a pastor's crown for shepherds who faithfully tend the flock, feed the sheep. Then there's James 1.12, crown of life or a martyr's crown for all who suffered in their faith or died for Christ, those who committed to, to finish their, run their race and finish their, their course. You know, if you stop and think about it, uh, thank God for America. Uh, I've, I've watched videos of people that are over in Muslim countries, and when they give their heart to Jesus, they lose their family. They lose everything. And, um, you know, and there's people on this earth, it costs them to live for God. Mary Fran made a statement one time. She said, if you, you knew what it cost me to be here. You know, sometimes family situations and, your, and the things going on in your home, we don't know what price they're paying to walk out of that house and come minister. But oftentimes, and Kevin McNulty, when he'd go overseas, he would always get physically tired of traveling. And he said to me one day, I said, how do you handle that? He said, when I get tired, I go read the book, 23 Minutes in Hell. And I think there's people to be one. And he plans another trip overseas. And so he keeps his vigilance by thinking about the fact that there is work to be done. Amen. So, so there are crowns. If you would go with me to Hebrews 12, there is a crown for us. And I realize this as I'm talking, that not everybody sitting in the room right now is excited about Jesus coming back. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm okay with that, but I am saying that I recognize that not everybody in here feels like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And when you get uncomfortable, that's good. Divine dissatisfaction is good. All of my life, when God has wanted to change something, I have become divinely dissatisfied. In other words, I feel like I'm washing my feet with my socks on. I don't, no matter what I'm doing, I don't like where I am. And it forces me to get on my face and start seeking God. And I have people sometimes that come to me and they say, well, the, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And I go, no, you're not. God will never tell you everything you're going to do. You're going to walk by faith. He will tell you the next thing you're going to do, and it'll take your faith to do it. So, so a lot of times, so let me, let me, case in point, I have a, a, a book at home where I wrote down and I kept a diary of my time with God. And there is a page in there where it says, I realize today that I am not called pastor. And I wrote it and signed it and dated it and God paid absolutely no attention to that at all. And, and, and the truth is, you don't know what you're going to be doing next year. You just, you know, you got these big plans for yourself and okay, well, best thing to do is just lay it all before God and let him lead you. Amen. All right. He's going to require you to live by faith. Hebrews 12, 
It says, therefore, we, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are the people that have died and gone on before us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with race, run with endurance the race that's set for, before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of God. I would be negligent to let you, even to, to assume that it's not going to cost you to win the prize. When you've made up your mind, and let's go back to football since we've got a few football players in the church. When you've made up your mind, that's what you're going to do. There's a change in the way you live. You're, at the, you're out at the practice field whether you feel like it or not and whether you want to be or not because you have your eyes on a goal that you want to hit. I'm go this is what we are going to do. We're going to win this game. And so those are a group of people who have gotten together and set a goal. Well, Christianity is very similar to that, to where we live our lives going, there's a day we're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to win the prize. We're going to walk in. Yay, they're soul saved. So, so our life will change according to that. That means there's things that you used to do. When I got called to pastor, you guys don't realize it, but Saturday's a work day. Y'all are at the lake and I'm studying. And it'll be that way till the rapture. And then I'm going to the lake. No, I don't do every Saturday like that, but I, but I do do most of them. So in Hebrews 12, it says, though we're surrounded by such a great, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin that ensnares us. In other words, when you're a runner, you realize that you're going to have to get a lot of baggage off of you to run. Now, I, I, I like history. I like studying history. And um, I, I enjoyed reading the stories of the people who went from the east to the west. And how they loaded all of their household junk in a wagon that the oxen couldn't pull. And they said that the Oregon Trail was riddled with junk that they didn't need. There might be a lot of stuff in your life, you just really don't need that. And so there were pianos and organs and fine, by the time, if you want to make it to Oregon, you really are going to have to strip it down and realize that oxen can't pull everything you own. So if you're going to walk with God, there may be things in your life God is looking at you going, you really don't need all that stuff, you know. So every once in a while I have a house cleaner and I get rid of the junk in my life that I just don't need. It's not helping me at all in my race. And I know that I'm going to stand before God one day and I don't need all this stuff. Now I have stuff, I have things, but I don't need everything, amen. So having said that, go to Jeremiah 29, 11 now. God has... A plan for you. You are not an accident. You were placed on the earth on purpose, and He has a reason you are here. And until you find it, you are not going to be happy camper. Now, understand something. All of us in this room have had times when we've been out of the will of God, and we remember those days. It's just not happy. We wake up in the morning and going, is this all there is to life? And we try to fill our life with all kinds of junk and stuff and buying stuff and making money and it, don't, and it don't do anything. And we're looking around going, that's it? No, there's more. Okay, let me read this to you. 
says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God's got more interest in your future than you do. You'll call on me, you'll pray to me, and I will listen to you. And when you will seek me and find me, when you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I'll bring you back from your captivity, and I'll gather you from the nations. Now, there is a perfect will of God for you. And, I, and let me say this, it does not mean that you're going to go to Africa. It doesn't mean you're going to go to India. It might mean that you stay right where you are and what God is dealing with you might be attitudes. Yeah. Or he might be dealing with you over, the, over certain areas of your life. So he's constantly working on you and I, but he has a plan and he has a purpose. So in a moment, we're going to get in to grace. But obedience brings grace. Every time you step in the will of God, there is a supernatural grace that hits you that's not there when you're doing what you want to do. So when you're doing what you want to do, life is kind of like, oh, so how do I know this? I had a time in my life, even though I was called of God, and even though uh, I moved here to Orlando in the will of God, there was a season when I decided I didn't want to follow him with all of my heart because it appeared to me it cost me too much. All right, I went through a divorce. I kind of backed away from being on fire. Have you ever relate to that? You're on fire for God and all hell breaks loose. You go, this is what I get for being on fire for God. I ain't doing this anymore, you know. And so I started working construction, but I hated my job. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying, I got a call of God on my life, and I hated Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. I hated Sunday for sure, because somebody's going to preach on obeying God, and I'm going to sit there, and, and, I, and I just, you know, and I was working one day, and I was in Sanford, and I was so miserable. Now, I'm a born-again Christian, and I threw my trial off the building, well, for no reason. Now, I know none of y'all have ever done anything like that. I mean, I know that with y'all, nothing ever goes wrong. But I'm talking about me. I just threw it off the building. And a man that I was standing there with, who's not a Christian, he said, Morgan, I wish you'd get right with God. You're making us miserable. <laughs> they were sinners and they were happy. I'm a Christian and I'm not. Well, the Lord was dealing with me to make adjustments that I didn't want to make. And so finally, that's when I broke down and told the Lord, I'll go where you say go and do what you say do. And it's a certain amount of scary. What's he going to ask me to do? And I had already written, I'm not a pastor. Isn't that funny? Boy, I'm running from the call of God like crazy. And I know that for a fact. I know there's people sitting in the room. You're just going through the motions, and you're really not ready for Jesus to come back. You need to get ready. You want to be there, right? All right. Now, 
I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you. So God has a plan for you. Let me jump, let me jump way ahead of myself. Go to Isaiah 119. Pop it on the screen. Let's go down this road here. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Let's come over here. If you're what? Willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. God has a plan. All right. One of the things you're going to find out is there is no grace on your life for your plan. It's you and you. Now, I've had times in my life, and I'm going to go back to another time that I began a ministry. Now, you would think a ministry is good, right? Especially when I was after souls to get them saved. You would think, that's good. Do y'all remember Dennis the Menace? How many of y'all, well, I know, the younger generation goes, we don't know who Dennis Menace is. But Dennis the Menace, one time, him and Joey went into the living room with their dad and said, Dad... Me and Joey are going to Dairy Queen. Would you like to drive us? In other words, without you, Dad, we're really not going to Dairy Queen. And I think some of us have the idea, God, I'm going here. Come with me. And so I, I did this. Lisa and I started a ministry called Wings of Freedom. Listen, when you get to fly airplanes, shoot grouper, lay on the beaches of the Bahamas and get people saved, this is God. Except for one thing, there was no money to do it. I got three places to preach that year. One, two, three. One of them took me up an offering. I think it was about $12. Well, we're rolling in the dough now. I prayed and prayed and prayed and could not understand why God did not bless my fantastic idea. Now, funny thing about it is, I think all of us in this room have had times when we've gone out. Now, I, I still today go try things, but I don't get so far out there that if I see God's not with me, I come back. I'm like, well, I can see you're not going with me, so I'm going to back off of that. And what I may think is a good idea, he may not think is a good idea at all. So at that time that I'm trying to get in the islands, there's a church in Apopka that opened up. Totally not God. But I got under the spout where the blessings were coming out. And where God guides, he provides. There is always supernatural provision in the will of God. And you're not doing anything to make it happen. Think about that a minute. When God put Adam in the garden, was the garden there after or before? He made a garden and he put man there. Before you ever get in your assignment, the provision is waiting on you when you arrive. The willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. Now that doesn't mean only money. There are things money can't do. We're not talking about just having money in the bank. Uh, I'm going to go back and tell Justin's story now. And, and, and I say this to you parents because I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Don't call your kids into the ministry. Every grandmother calls their children into the ministry. And their grandkids. It's a very high and noble 
calling in life, to be called into the ministry. It's a big deal. But not everybody is called into the fivefold ministry. And if you call them, you're the one that's going to have to provide for them. Now, let me back up a minute and explain what I'm saying. <coughs> when I first married Lisa, Martha Leggett saw that I was called to pastor. So she started a church called the Jubilee Center. Do you remember this? Me and Lisa, Martha, David, Donna, Sean, Linda, my family and her family, and that's it. It was totally her. Until finally one day, I feel like I'm washing my feet with my socks on. I know I'm called, but I can't get God to bless what we're doing. And I finally told my mother-in-law, I said, Martha, I got to hear from God. I got to hear from God. I got to know what he wants me to do. So I shut it down. Now, come back to Justin. Even though Lisa and I have always known he had a call, I don't want when trouble hits for him to come back and lean on me that I called him. I want, he, I want God to talk to him and I want him to follow God. But now Justin had plans and he was raised in a pastor's home. He gets to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Christians... It's like working in a hospital. You get to see everything. And they grew up watching everything. Well, nobody in their right mind would do this. You better be called or just leave it alone. But I remember the day that Lisa and I would begin to pray over Justin. And, and we pray over all the boys and we pray over the girls and you know, and some of you guys are called to be businessmen. And, and listen to me, God needs you to be businessmen. You're, you're supplying finances for the kingdom. So, so not everybody's called. But anyway, Justin was. And I remembered the day that Mark called him out. Justin made an adjustment in his soul because he had his own studio. And he's got plans. He even got offered right after he came here working for a company for a lot more money than we were giving him. But he knew he had stepped in to the grace for the race. And when you step in the grace, there's not only provision, but all of the things that started happening to him financially, the people he started. See, God has people, you need to meet them. And if you're not in his will, you will never meet them. There are people that will take you to your next destination. There's supernatural relationships. He wants you in them. There is, there's finances. There's all kinds of things that are for you to get your job done. But it didn't happen to him. God left him alone until the time he said, I will do it. And wham, grace hit him. Now. The grace of God is the power to get you to your destiny. Paul had a power in his life to get him to his destiny. I have a power to get me to my destiny. This church, I didn't build it. I'm not that smart. 
He said, you buy this land. I bought this land. You build that building. I built that building. He said, you, everything I've ever done, if it screwed up, I did it. If it did well, he did it. Amen? Some of, how many of y'all relate to that? How many of y'all have had times you're like, Lord, have mercy, this is not working. Back off and pray about it. Because sometimes you just need to go seek God's face. And you will always seek his face. There, I have a saying, there is a God and I'm not him. And I'm going to tell you where it came from. Everything that Daryl does, that Daryl tries, it, Daryl, it fails. And then I'm left holding the bag and oh my God. And then I'm in there praying a new prayer. Mercy, mercy. Help me recover some of the money I lost. Help me recover my stupid, you know. All right. So, so anyway, I'm trying to get us ready for the rapture. Isaiah 1.9, the willing and the obedient eat the good of the land. The will of God is not always physical. Um, let me read something to you. So, I, so, so, so let, let's get into this thing on, um, on grace for just a minute. Let's go to James 4, and um, I'm going to ask you a question. It's a trick question. It's not really. Let's pretend that all of us in this room right now are sitting in Africa. We all caught a plane. We all went to Africa, and we won a village to the Lord. Everybody in the village got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. The only thing about this village is that everybody lives in a grass hut. Everybody has a dirt floor. They get their water in a bucket from the river. The kids don't have shoes. The mom has one dress. The dad has one pair of pants. And they're barely making it. Is it okay to preach tithing? Yes. 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 But you know, that would be controversial because a lot of people would think, why don't you just give them the money? Well, what, what's going to happen if I can't show up with the money next year? I'm not their God. Are y'all listening? Why would we teach people with no clothing, dirt floors to give? Because you need grace on them. Y'all hear me. Listen, this is, this is the point of my whole sermon. I want grace to hit that village. Yes, that's right. Mark Hankins told a story not too long ago. There is a man overseas, help me, Cornelius. Cornelius, Papua, Papua, New, Guinea. Papua New Guinea, supports Mark 400 a month. Now, why would Mark take money from Papua New Guinea? Do you really think 400 is making or breaking Mark? It's not. Very important for him to teach them to obey God. Now, what we have seen overseas, and, uh, and, I, and I, I wished I had the video, and I think that Betty May and maybe um, Barbara Neff or some of the other people may remember but years ago, we all watched a movie called Transformation. And it was a village in Mexico that someone had gone down there and got Juan Carlos, 
saved, and he became the pastor of the church. And there was a cantina, and everybody in it was drinking tequila, and they were all a bunch of drunken bombs. And everybody in the village was broke and poor, and nobody had any money. And so did Juan Carlos go down and preach the gospel to the people? Y'all don't mind my Spanish, do you? I mean, that's, that's so fluent. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so this village turned the cantina into a church. And these people got on fire and fell in love with Jesus. Their crops, she started raining on their land. They started giving and supporting their pastor. And the land started producing. And we watched in that village heads of lettuce two feet, three feet tall. Cucumbers three to four feet long. Pumpkins two, two feet, three feet across. This village started feeding all of the Mexican villages around them and started shipping produce to Guatemala. In the, in the video, every farmer had a Mercedes truck. Say, God is a good God. No American did that. We didn't do that. You see, when you need to understand people are under the curse of the law. When they get born again, they're redeemed from the curse of the law. And if you could, if you could get them to obey God, grace would kick in. There is always, all grace always follows obedience. And, and um, what, how did I write this? And blessing follows grace. The blessing. Now listen, there's blessings that happen to me. They happen to you. I mean, the moment you get in his will and you're in his will, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like a truck drives up and starts dumping stuff in your life. And you, it's all you can do to keep up with what God is doing. When I got born again, I want y'all to think about this for a minute because I think sometimes I used to have an old picture of me. I mean, I got saved. I lived in a, I lived in a house with, with my in-laws. M me and my wife and Che and Ashley slept in one bed. And the, and the bathroom had a hole in the ceiling where you could lay in the tub and watch stars at night. We had a pot-bellied wood stove for heat. And then when I got born again, within a few months, I'm out of that house. And I'm, and, and I'm, I'm not making money hand over fist, but I had my own mobile home. Wasn't long after that, I had an apartment with a swimming pool. It wasn't long after that, the Lord dealt with me and I went off to Oklahoma. In other words, grace, when I stepped into the will of God, everything changed and God took me down a path and I'm like, do, 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 do. Grace kicked in on me. Yeah. Now, I know that. I know when I'm in grace and I know when I'm not. <laughs> and when you're not, you're looking around going, where are you, God? What happened to you? Come. Me and Dennis and Joey said, come. James 4. Let's read this. But he gives more grace. Say more grace. more grace. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, we're not here to talk a negative today, talking about pride. But, but your way, your way of doing it is going to lead you to ruin. Amen. 
Now, a lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not into this Christianity thing, and, and you know what, and I'm just going to do it my way. Well, I'm going to tell you 100% of the time, it doesn't work. You're on your own. You and I were designed to walk with God. Like a fish, and you're a fish out of water. Let me read something. You know, I went down to um, Venezuela one time, and I couldn't believe how many pastors showed up to hear me preach at lunch until, until I was told that I was buying their lunch. <laughs> there was 50 men there, and they handed me the bill. I handed it back. <laughs> now, what I'm going to do, I say, you may think I was being cruel. I said, you buy mine. They said, you're American. You don't, we, don't, we don't have no money. I said, there's a reason you don't have no money. We don't have money because we're Americans. We're, we, we've had money because we've obeyed God and we've sent the gospel around the world. We're going to need to keep doing that. Amen. I'm going to read something out of Kenyon. Um, your business is to find your place and fill it until you do you will pay the price. How many of y'all have ever been out of the will of God? How many of you know the things don't always go so good over there? You bet. I want you to know, my brother and my sister, the price you pay for staying out of the will of God will be expensive. It's expensive. You may, now I'm not saying, I'm not preaching this to bring condemnation. I don't think there's a person in this room that has always hit it every time. I've missed it. And I'm going to tell you something. When you lose fifty, hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's expensive. You're like, oh Father, I need mercy right now <laughs> because I'm doing this my way, and His hands are off. Amen. And He's He thinks He's God. He just He doesn't have to talk to you if He don't want to. I found that out. Okay, I didn't, you know. You're going to pay it. When I get sick, I don't assume the devil. I will always go back and ask me, have you stepped out of love? Come on. You start, you start jumping all over people and getting mean with people and ugly. And I know y'all don't believe I've ever done that. If I get an amen out of this, I'm going to slap somebody. <laughs> You may pay it in sickness, a loss of money, or unhappiness with your loved ones. You can't be the protected one, the cared for one, as long as you're standing outside the Lord's will. Take your place. Give yourself to meditation, power, and study of the word. Don't allow anything to stand in the way of you finding your place. Life does not mean much outside of his will. Amen. That's in a prayer book. That was absolutely powerful. Let me, let's go to another scripture, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about here. First uh, Kings 17. Are you ready for the will? Now, let me make a statement to you. I don't want you to think that you're going to find his will and then you're just going to run and do it. You're going to find his will in pieces. You'll find his will in pieces. And it may not always look like what you thought it should look like. Let's go back to me for a minute. Man, I hate to, for you to... Even imagine someone walking up to me when I got saved and saying, you will live in Florida. 
You know how many times Florida crossed my mind? Never. I live in a land where we have four seasons. It snows. In, the, in, the, in September, you get to put on a flannel shirt. You get to sit by a fire. You know how far the leaves were from me? 30-minute drive. There is apples to eat, and there is fruit in the trees, and, and there's watermelons on the side of the road if you grab one fast and run. And then for me to go to Florida where they ain't nothing but sand fleas and four seasons, hot, hot, hotter, and hottest. It just wasn't in my plan. But the Lord said, go to Oklahoma. And I thought, well, that's for a season. I'll do this thing. And I'm off to Tulsa. And I was there for two years and all of my friends were hearing from God. I didn't hear nothing. I was getting desperate. My God, I can't live in Tulsa the rest of my life. Ain't nothing out here. There ain't no trees. Buffaloes. It's flat. It's ugly. Tornadoes come through and tear everything up once a year. One week you're swimming, the next week it's a blizzard. It's crazy. I don't know who wants to live in Oklahoma. So anyway, I had to get desperate and I prayed. And then uh, uh, something opened up in Orlando. <laughs> no, no God. And I kept praying over all the other people that would call me, and no one ever called me. Only one, Tom Copeland, my next-door neighbor. So finally, I packed it all up, and I moved down here. But see, God had something here for me. And when I got here, became a youth pastor, found my lovely wife, got me another family. God already was providing for me. But see, everything, all doors shut, but one. And I went, well, there's the spout where the blessings are flowing out, and I'm just going to head that way and see what happens. Are you all out there? It's the funny the way God leads you and guides you. Most of the time it has to do with money or provision. So we're going to read that. First Kings chapter 17, Elijah the Tishbite. And when you get there, don't say that to him. Are you the Tishbite? Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God lives before I stand, there will not be dew or rain these years except at my word. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that, that, I, that you will drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. See, and I want you to see this. How much of that is he doing? He's not doing any of it. This is called grace. Now, the moment, the moment you step in the will of God, there is grace there. And that's a supernatural provision, not just money. But I mean, all of a sudden you're starting to walk in this. And sometimes it'll be very uncomfortable and it will appear to you as though it's going to cost you more than you want to pay. Anytime you want to understand the grace of God, think of tithing. How can you take a poor man who has no money Take 10% of his money, give it away, and he become rich. 
Don't, don't tell me you understand it because you do not. But it happens all the time. How is it that you're going to take your life, your time, and you're going to obey God with it? And you're going to come out better. You're going to end up with more than you've ever had. Right? I mean, listen, in the natural, that's, that's not normal. But unless, unless the, God is sending the ravens, you're starving to death by the brook. Now, what if he'd have gone to a, and what if he'd have said, you know, that's a dumb brook. I don't like that brook. I'm going to go to another brook. He'd have been over there praying and praying and praying and praying for God to feed him at that brook. And the ravens would have been over there going, there's a lot of meat laying on this rock. Ain't nobody eating. There, God's got provision for you somewhere. Why don't you find out where it is? Amen. Justin had to find the will of God for his life. And I'm going to tell you something. It is supernatural for a man his age to have the relationship he does with Dr. Mary Fran and Mark Hankins. You don't, you don't make friends like that unless God drops it in your lap. You, I know him. He's not that smart. And his claim to fame is his rapture. Is that a rapture? Oh, it's a raptor. I thought it was a rapture. It's faster than mine when it's running. <laughs> but you know, he'd been, he'd, see, a lot of times people quote, he gives me the desires of my heart. Well, he does, as long as you're doing what he told you to do. But the minute he stepped into the call of God on his life, God began to kiss the work of his hands. And he'll tell you right now, I wish I'd done this sooner. Amen? Because once, you, once you're in grace, you're like, grace is unmerited favor hits your life. It's favor that gets all over you. And I mean, everything you touch turns into gold almost. It's just like glory to God. This is awesome. Amen? Is Zach saying amen? First Kings 17, 8. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, rise. Now see, the brook dried up. Does that mean you're going to always stay where you are? Maybe. Maybe not. My job with Tom dried up. I'd have stayed there forever. I was content. But it dried up. And you know, a lot of times things change and we're going... What just happened here? All of a sudden, I'm out of work. I'm out of, a, I'm not even in ministry anymore. Well, you trust God. You go in there and get before on your face and you go, what is it you're wanting me to do now? That was when I started my own ministry. Didn't work. I had to go back in there and just get on my face until God began to open doors. Now, let me read the rest of this and I want you to see this. And the word of the Lord came and says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow to provide. But yet she never heard from God. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and he said, There is a 250-pound fat man. Telling a widow woman 
who has no money to bake me dinner. I mean, I want you to know what would happen if Eyewitness News got a hold of that. Preacher steals old woman's last cake. Amen. Sometimes you, sometimes you think, this is crazy. I don't know why in the world I'm even doing this. When Lisa and I went out to Mark Hankins, I mean, honestly, and I'm not going to give you numbers, this church was basically hand to mouth. God, that was a supernatural connection. Now, and I know that y'all, I mean, the Spirit of God started dealing with me to go find Mark Hankins. I'm in prayer. What do you want me to do? Find Mark Hankins. I don't know who Mark Hankins. Well, he's in Kissimmee. So I drove down to Kissimmee. See, in other words, when you're obeying God, it looks to you like, well, you're crazy. Why would I do that? What is this? What's this guy going to do? I don't know, but I just kept getting it in. I went down. He gave me a bunch of books and tapes, and I came home and listened to him. Maybe that's why God wanted me to to get some free books and tapes. Well, I had it in my heart to go to his ministry. And he starts preaching on money. Well, I don't have any. But Lisa and I wrote him a check. And when when it went out of sight and the usher took it, we looked at each other and said, there better be a God. Are y'all listening? And I mean, if, if this doesn't work, that was stupid. Because we took what little we had and we gave it away. Just to a guy that flies a jet. That's dumb. So we thought. It wasn't that time, but it was another. It was a time right after that. We were out eating dinner with somebody, and I think it was it you and it was it us personally that wrote a check for a thousand dollars. Tithe. Tithe. Five. Five. Oh no, they gave us five. Yeah, they gave us. How much did we give? We um, our first step was we gave a thousand dollars. We gave one thousand out of our personal checkbook. And y'all understand something? When you're hearing the word, listen to listen to this statement. Grace hits obedience. There's, without obedience, there is no grace. So we're sitting there going, he's got a jet, and I don't have any money, and I'm fixing to write a check for $1,000. I'm insane. We wrote a check for $1,000. We got home, and I think it was maybe a month or two later, two months. We're having dinner with someone, and they, they just said at the table, Holy Spirit, you want me to do what? <laughs> and, she, and this person went, okay, and wrote Lisa and I a check for five. And we went, there is a God. Amen. Now, out of that time, we started tithing your tithes from this church. And I'm going to tell you what, when we started doing it, gee, we were barely making salary. We, we gave, but we never tithed out of our checkbook here. I mean, how can you if you have no money? But the principle's true, right? Obedience, grace follows obedience. So we start, we, Lisa and I came home and said, we're going to tithe the money that comes in to different ministries. Mary Fran, Mark, Kevin, Leslie. Our income shot up in this church. It went, choo. And I, so when we, we did, the, the Lord said, I want you to build the playground. I went, okay. 
I mean, when he said it, we didn't really have the money to build a playground. So I went, I went to the staff and I said, we're going to do something with this children's church. God wants something done with his children's church. So we started and someone in the church wrote us a check for $20,000. It was paid for before we ever got finished with the project. So I went back and told Lisa, I says, okay, we finished the children's church and the playground. How much money's in there? She said, well, there's more now than there was. And I went, well, I don't know how that happened. Are y'all out there? So I said, why don't we build a basketball court since we have some extra money? And then we'll believe God for the rest. So we built a basketball court. So I'm sure it's going to go down. That's just normal. There was no more people here than there was before we began. So when we finished the basketball court, I said, how much is in there? She goes, well, we paid for the basketball court and now there's more than there was. I went, well, Shondi, let's get carpet. Everything that we've put our hand to to do that he told us to do, whether it was uh, do the LED screens, the money's always been there, and then more. And I'm saying that to you for this reason. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't put him last. Don't give him the leftovers of your life. He doesn't want your leftovers. Put him number one. And watch what happens to your life. Seek first the kingdom and all things will be added to you. Everything you've ever wanted. And this last birthday of mine, Lisa goes, what do you want? And I went, I don't need anything. That's a sweet feeling. I've always had this, I need some stuff. And I thought, well, y'all figure it out because I don't need anything. I have more guns than I can shoot. Lisa, hold your ears. Don't say it. Take that off the tape. I know. I know what you have. Lisa has two more jet skis than she can drive and boat and kayak and swimming pool. In other words, God's blessed us. I mean, we're, we're at the point now where we're just trying to figure out what to do with the money we have and to be a blessing to the world we live in and to run our race and finish our course. But obedience always brings grace. And grace will always bring the provision you need. It's in it. All right. Let's see where I want to go from here, whether I'm just done or not. Amen. Well, we already went to Africa, came back from Africa. Your, your highest goal in life should be to please God, and then he will direct your paths, your highest goal. Now, a lot of times, and I've heard, I heard Mark, John, I heard uh, Mark Brzee, not Mark Brzee, John Brevere, he said, the enemy of God is good. Not bad. Sometimes you have something good to do, but it ain't God. Find out what he wants you to do. Now, I started this off by making this statement. We run our race. And we're going to finish our course. There's a day coming when we'll all stand before God and receive a crown of righteousness. It's going to look to you like it's going to cost you. But it's not. It'll cost you to not do it. Does that make sense? Be, be willing to walk by faith. Because whatever he says he wants you to do, just be willing to do it. 
Let him be God for once. And watch what happens when he kicks in and he takes over. Your finances, your health. Now, I'm going to tell you one more story because E.W. Kenyon talks about his health. Let me, let me read that to him. Can I read one more story to you? This is something that I have never forgotten in my life. It's the time that E.W. Kenyon was dying of peritonitis. Let me see. Someone help me with that word. Peritonitis. Kenyon, like many Christians of his day, had a crisis of consecration. I would say that is one of the biggest issues all of us face. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that from my own self too. I'm not po- poking at you. For me to lay my life down and fo- fully follow God looks to me like it's going to cost me. Okay. He referred to his experience a number of times, mostly in his unpublished articles about this event. In 1897, he was pastoring in Springville. His health failed, and he reached a point of crisis. He described the illness as peritonitis, which is the inflammation of the membrane lining of his abdomen cavity. In severe cases, the inflammation causes abdominal tenderness, high fever, and vomiting, Without surgery, there can be uh, um, abdominal dissertation, dehydration, and death. In rare cases, it it can be a chronic condition. He relates his own struggles in his article called The Lordship of Christ. In an article, Why Trusting is So Hard. Trusting God. He wrote, before I knew him. He was not talking about before he was saved. It was before he made him Lord. For more than a year, I struggled and fought with the Lordship of Christ. I did not want to let Jesus take me over and do as he wanted to do with me. I was afraid he'd rob me of the joys I wanted and the pleasures I craved. Kenyon was quite transparent about his struggles and his personal flaws and shortcomings. The deeper revelation of the Lord melted away Kenyon's resistance I didn't know he loved me more than I loved me. That's good. I'm going to tell you something. He loves you. He will never hurt you. Yes, amen. I did not know that he knew more than I did in the sense of what we were speaking. I didn't take it in. I didn't know he was more ambious, ambitious for me than even I was. Before I saw this truth, I resisted absolute surrender to his lordship. But he reported one day... In a measure, at least, I yielded to his lordship and I yielded to his dominion. As I did, my poor, sick, wretched body was instantly made whole. Wow. Let me read it. Um, Kenyon was quite sick. He believed he was near death. He said, I couldn't have lived much longer. I was breaking under the thing. The heart was in bad condition. Stomach and bowels were in bad condition. My nerves were breaking under the pressure. I suddenly, instantly emancipated at the moment I recognized his blessed dominion. I yielded to the lordship of Christ would become a major theme in his preaching. You see, Kenyon's said, the dominion of Christ is the dominion of love. The dominion of love is the divine dominion of yourself. And when self yields to love's dominion, peace that passes all understanding will fill your heart and life. 
and then healing will come to your body. And he was raised up from a deathbed. And I don't know if you know who Kenyon is, but T.L. Osborne said Kenyon was his Bible school. That man won more people to Jesus than any other man that's ever walked the earth. John G. Lake used Kenyon. Smith Wigglesworth had heard of Kenyon, didn't read about him. A lot of the men of God that came up and shook the world read Kenyon. God wanted Kenyon to stop pastoring and start a Bible school. He didn't want to do it. Aren't you glad he did? Because his health was dependent on it. It wasn't that God was keeping him sick. He just, it's just there was no grace on his life. He was going through life without the grace of God. So the moment he surrendered, grace hit him. And he lived a long time and died without sickness and disease and did mighty things for God in his older age. Are y'all ready? Father God, I want to thank you right now. I'm praying over every one of us in this room. That you said, Paul made the statement that we've run our race and we finished our course and there's laid up a crown of righteousness for all that love your appearing. And I know that, that your return is probably not this week, this month, or even this year. But I pray every one of us, whatever it is that your will for us, everybody in the sound of my voice would get over being afraid of your will and step in to your will for their life. And I pray that the provision they've needed, the healing that they've needed, and, and the peace that they've been looking for is found in totally surrendering to your lordship. There's a lot of times they want me to pray a prayer, but I can't, I can't pray past that. I can't pray past their heart. Once our heart is right with you, you're able to kick in and do for us things that we would never be able to do. And I pray over the people that are sitting in this room right now and those watching by internet that if they're sitting there right now and waiting on a miracle, this might just be the answer to their miracle. And I pray that we would have the grace right now to make the adjustments that we need to make. You said in the word, he gives more grace. I pray grace over everybody in this room right now that as they begin to make adjustments, that grace would hit them. If they're in a situation where they don't know what they're going to do as far as business, that you would lead them and show them what you want them to do. And their heart would be after you, not just the finances, but their heart. They're not seeking healing. They're seeking the healer. They're not seeking finances. They're seeking the father of the finances. And I pray that we would all get to this point where we understand that if we're just walking with God, everything we have ever needed or ever wanted is laid up for us and laying on the path for us to run our race and finish our course. I thank you for helping me preach this today, and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. 
So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. 